What's up, all you movie lovers? Al, you got something to say to the movie haters? You guys don't like movies? What are you, insane? Welcome back to By the Heart. I'm Alex. And I'm Sean. We believe that every great story is full of gospel themes. Together, we examine our favorite movies while looking at the gospel themes of characters in some of the best quotes. Also, we look at the moments that made us laugh, think, and cry. And we'll let you know when you can find a wall to pee on with our big daddy moment so you don't miss the good parts. Thanks for listening. The gospel is that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of anyone who would believe so that in him you can have life everlasting. This is Passion Week and Easter is coming up on Sunday. The single most important event in human history And I'm really excited to talk about how Jesus dying on the cross uh, creates a way for everyone, even in the arts. And that's what By the Heart is all about. Welcome back, my co-host, Sean. Sean, what's up? What's going on? We are here, and we are going to discuss for the 10th episode, episode 10, one of my favorite movies of all time. I think I have it number three on my definitive list of my favorite movies. Good Will Hunting. I love Good Will Hunting. Where do you have Good Will Hunting on your list? I will say seven. <laughs> Just I like, have no idea. Good Will Hunting, seventh on Sean's. I've seen third. a lot of good movies this past year. We had a lot of good movies. Jojo Rabbit, 1917. There were a lot of really good movies that came out. I need to reorganize my top ten. Do you think that 1917 is going to jump into your top 10? Oh, yeah. I've seen it, I think, two or three times already. And I know I'm going to buy it when it comes out. It's one of the easiest watches I've I've ever had. It's really good. I do like 1917 a lot. But Good Will Hunting, um, written and directed by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Not not old, uh, solidified, and in Hollywood, Matt Damon. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Young. Very, very young. I think they were both 25 at the time. Yeah. And I will say this as a disclaimer. Like we said for... Uh, what movie was that? Silver Linings Playbook. Silver Linings Playbook. This is our most adult movie so far. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Either that one or this one. There's not a lot of... There's not like nudity or anything. There's not a lot of inappropriate... Uh, sex scenes or anything like that. There's just a lot of language. There's a lot of language. This is movie is set in Boston, and Boston movies and cursing are synonymous. Yes, good quality movies shot in Boston are synonymous with cursing. Mainly because that's accurate to where they are. Yeah. And we are not a uh, group of people who are so scared of a cuss word that we'll never watch a movie. I think that's something I, I really didn't understand as a young Christian and even as like a non-Christian was, oh, I can't curse or I'm going to go to hell. And that's not real. <laughs> that's not the gospel at all. No. That's so, oh my goodness, that's so shallow. Yeah, that's a shallow way to, to see Jesus' atonement for us is that, oh, I have to do all these right things and I'll then I'll be able to go to heaven. Yeah. yeah. And we don't need to give our, our thoughts on cussing right now, but... Um, we're not condoning it. We're not condoning it. Right. But if you are someone who cusses, you're not going to hell. Yeah. Yeah. You're we, going to hell because you're a sinner. There's a lot more depth there. We'd love to get into it with you if, you if you're curious more about that. Yeah, for sure. So 
just disclaimer, maybe don't watch this with your, your kids, but this is a great movie. It is so good. It's about Will Hunting, a janitor at MIT, has a gift for mathematics, but needs help from a psychologist to find direction in his life. Will Hunting is played by Matt Damon, and he plays an incredible genius. Mm-hmm. So good. But first, before we talk about Good Will Hunting, I have a question. Is there any chance that Will Hunting, a felon, gets a job at MIT? No, there's no <laughs> chance. Even as a janitor, there's no way. Just like, oh, this is the most prestigious um, <laughs> university in our country, one of them. Yeah, the felon for assault? Sure, let's give him a job. I mean, there's that scene in towards the uh, middle of the movie where they go to the janitors they're trying to find Will Hunting. <laughs> and the other guy, the one of the other janitors is a professor, remember? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're just kidding. It's Professor Mays. <laughs> All right, the other thing before we get into the movie, we have to hear our, our Boston accents. <laughs> so for this test, in the, in the middle of the movie, Will tells his girlfriend that he has... Uh, 12 brothers, I think. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 12 brothers. Hmm. And he names them off off the top of his head. Very fast. Spoiler alert. Uh, he doesn't actually have 12 <laughs> brothers. He was just making a, a ploy and um, against the fact that he was an orphan and he just didn't want her to know that. So, Sean, you want to go first or second on uh, your Boston accent? I want to give it a shot. All right, go for it. Okay. The 12 brothers. The 12 brothers. Mocky, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, <laughs> Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian. All right, we'll give you a second chance after my go. My boy's wicked smart. Mocky, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian. That's pretty good, man. That's pretty good. All right, go again. Where do you go again? All right. Marky, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian. That's, that was good. Was that that was good? good. I wasn't even sure I said those right. Uh, I mean, it's Boston. How can you know? <laughs> Marky, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian. It didn't feel right without like a curse word in there somewhere after watching <laughs> this movie. That's for sure. Oh, man. Such a good movie. You should, you should definitely watch it. Do you have any initial thoughts from this? My initial thoughts are that... As we get into the character study, this is a movie about how all the main characters are hiding their unhappiness. Yeah, at the depth of it. Like, on the surface, you might not see that, but when you get into the depth of the movie, um, that's what it's about to me, that they're all hiding their unhappiness. Yeah. What about you? I think from that, I definitely agree with that, from the depth of it, if you're looking at the... Uh... If you're looking really inner, inward at it, I think from the outside, it's sophistication and pompous meets poverty and shame. Um, wow, that's you good. can see those two completely different worlds, yet these people have a, a massive amount in common. And mm. you see how those two worlds collide. Yeah, so the main characters, Will and Chucky, they're pretty much in poverty their whole lives. And then Lambeau and Sean, who are two geniuses, are prestigious and... Um, got everything going for them mm -hmm. well Lambeau for sure yeah yeah um but yeah that, that's that's a really good observation there um so let's get into our first categories which is our gospel themes for our characters our four characters that we're going to be talking about today we've got Will played by Matt Damon Chucky played by Ben Affleck Lambeau played by Stellan Skarsgård and Sean, 
played by Robin Williams. Hold on, who plays Professor Lambeau? Stellan Skarsgård. What a okay. name. Stellan Skarsgård plays in this movie called The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and oh. he is the creepiest guy ever in that oh, movie. that's right. There's... Does he get super murdered in that movie? I think yes. Yeah. And he also super murders other people in that yeah, movie. Yeah. Also, on a lighter note, he's one of the good guys in Thor. He's okay. Storm chasing professors. Oh, he is. Yeah. Him and Natalie Portman. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. Okay. I only think of Stellan Skarsgård from <laughs> that, and then John Lithgow. John Lithgow is uh, an actor who is in like I think he's in Third Rock from the Sun or something like that. <laughs> but he's in a TV show that I will not name. But John Lithgow. Every time I see him, I am literally scared. Wait, who's John Lithgow? John Lithgow's in Dexter season four. Wait, I don't even understand. How is he related to what we're talking about right now? Stellan Skarsgård's really scary, and so is John Lithgow. <laughs> oh, oh, when I see, I'm with you now. When okay, I see okay, Stellan okay. Skarsgård, I'm like, oh, I man, that's the guy from about. Girl. And then when I see John Lithgow, I think the same thing. Okay, I'm on the same same path. All right, so back to our characters. We have Will, played by Matt Damon. What's Matt Damon's best movie? Martian. He's an, he's incredible in Martian. Uh, is he an incredible villain in Interstellar? Yeah, I kind of forget like when I watch that movie because McConaughey steals the show. McConaughey is really good in that movie. Is it the Bourne series? Ooh, you're well, not an action movie guy, and you love the Bourne series, so I think that says a lot. Yeah, because the Bourne series are actually great movies. Yeah, well, the I, talented Mr. Ripley. That movie was weird. <laughs> That's a strange movie. The Departed? The Departed. <laughs> Are you a co-op? <laughs> what about Rounders? <laughs> Rounders is great, too. That's Him great and Ed movie. Norton? Ed Norton, yeah. I, I think that Matt Damon's just got a pretty amazing run. Downsizing? Got some bad runs. <laughs> Downsizing. <laughs> Suburb, I think it's Suburbicon. Suburbicon? Oh, yeah, uh... not good. But to start off your career with Goodwill Hunting as a writer, director, and lead actor is great. We watched this, and at the end of it, when he was when he leaves Sean's office, you looked at me and you said, "Is Matt Damon the goat?" <laughs> I, I, was, I hadn't considered it because all we know recently from him, it's been a while since The Departed. It's been a while, little while since The Martian or Martian. It's been a long time since this, and I haven't seen this in a while. And I was thinking to myself, "Yeah, most of what I know for Matt Damon is the Bourne series, but this is incredible." Yeah, uh, he he's just. Got an ability to put you into a place where you've never been. I think that's the thing that I was thinking the whole movie. It's like, I've never been an impoverished orphan, but I felt it. Mm -hmm. And that's why this movie is so, goes so deep to me. Another great movie that he was in, The Great Wall. Did you see this? <laughs> no. I think he was... No, a, I know what it is. See a samurai yeah. in The Great Wall? Oh, it was so... 5.9 on IMDb. Also, you think uh, he would have learned from Tom Cruise? One hundred and nineteen thousand people reviewed The Great Wall. Oh my god, that's way too many people. What was the Tom Cruise movie where he was a samurai? The Last, the Last samurai. samurai. Was it good? Joe Holman, who is one of our <laughs> closest friends, that's his favorite movie. Oh, no, of course it is. It is not a good movie. Oh, Joe. So, uh, Matt Damon plays Will, and Will is an orphan. Um, he's grown up in abuse. He's um, bounce from home to home, and at the same time, he's a genius. So, as I talk about the themes, um, I'm I'm going to talk about how each of the characters hide their unhappiness and what they're hiding it with. 
Um, and Sean might have some other thoughts as we get into it. But so Will hides his unhappiness with his intellect. Mm-hmm. He's a genius. He solves two math problems that took MIT professors years to solve. And then he, he does it anonymously. Um, and that's how he's found, really. He's he's the janitor. Somehow he's the janitor at MIT. <laughs> he solves uh, two math proofs. And then Stellan Skarsgård, a.k.a. Lambeau, finds him and like gets him out of uh, a jail sentence, a prison sentence, mm-hmm. to solve math problems. Yeah. Um, and that's what Will does. He he hides all of his unhappiness by his intellect. When he goes to psychologists along the way, instead of like pressing into his deep sorrow, he just spews out his um, amazing recollection yeah. of what they read, what they've, you know, their own books, and uh, all of the things that have to do with psychology. He also hides it by having fun with his core group of friends, played by Ben Affleck, Casey Affleck, and that redhead guy. I've never <laughs> seen him in anything else. The guy with the curly hair? Yeah. Um, but Chucky, I can't remember what, who Casey Affleck plays. He's not really a... Morgan. Huge, Mor- Morgan. <laughs> um, his most... Uh, his most famous line from this movie is, uh, my boy's wicked smart. <laughs> but uh, Double bagging. <laughs> yeah, that one too. Um, but you can see they have fun. They're laughing a lot. They're trying to hide all of their lack of satisfaction through having fun and having a good time. And he also, when he's with those counselors, he, Matt Damon, Will, is screwing around having fun with them. Mm-hmm. And so he's either laughing or he's picking apart them and their, their, um, their mental, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Um, at the end of the four, I'm going to bring it all back together. But um, I just think it's really important to see that Will is the same as these other three. He's taking his own sorrow and he's uh, deflecting it with something else. Mm-hmm. He's never actually looking into the window of his own heart and seeing where he's been broken, where he's been sinned against, where he sins. And um, that that ultimately leads him to having a really hard heart against everyone. And actually, he finally finds a girl that he's in love with, and mm-hmm. he pushes her away. Yeah. Because he doesn't know how to love. Yeah. All right, we have Chucky, played by Ben Affleck. Now, you knew that I was going to have to do this, too. What's the best Ben Affleck movie Ooh, of all time? I know what it's not. <laughs> I was going to say, is it The Accountant? It's not The Accountant. <laughs> no. You and Joe will not persuade me to believe The that. Accountant is, is great. Him no. and Shane Bernthal... I mean, John Bernthal. John Bernthal. <laughs> Shane. Shane. You just mixed this character up from The Walking Dead. Is it Gone Girl? I think it's Gone Girl. Argo? Oh, you haven't seen it. Oh, I, you haven't I, seen Argo? I'm really ashamed to say that. I uh, I haven't seen it. The Town? Ooh. He wrote and directed and was the main character in The Town. In The Town? He, where did he, he move to? He says, he looks at Jeremy Renner and says, I'm moving to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> the Town is awesome. Uh... He was Batman. Has uh oh that was not good. Has Ben Affleck been in a good movie that hasn't been uh, involved with massive amounts of cursing? Ben Affleck in a movie where there wasn't a massive amount of cursing. Th- that's good. Uh, I think Argo would be the only one. Uh, yeah. Smoke and Aces, two thousand six. <laughs> that's a good action movie. Um, <laughs> uh, Pearl Harbor <laughs> with Josh Hartnett. Him and Josh Hartnett and they're and, fighting over the same girl. Oh. Uh, the weirdest World War II adaptation of all time is Pearl Harbor. Cuba Gooding Jr. is somehow on... Uh, he's a cook. He's a cook, and all of a sudden he's 
shooting down planes. Yeah. Ah! Yeah, he goes insane, yeah. What would Cuba Gooding Jr. sound as a Boston man on Pearl Harbor? You guys want some of this fish? I got some cod for you. I can only picture Cuba Gooding Jr. and Jerry Maguire. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, show me the money. So, Ben Affleck, he's great. I love him. I think he was in Jay and Silent Bob, too, somehow. No, I didn't know that. Um, plays a guy named Chucky. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I th- not the most gifted guy in this group. No, definitely not. But clearly, we both talked about, he is the leader of this group. Yeah. He is their father figure. Yeah, he's their the lead influent, influential person in this group. Um, he hides his unhappiness, I think, the whole time by being the the funny, slick father figure of their friend group yeah you don't even find out until the end that will has no idea that he's not satisfied yeah that he he says i in 20 years from now if you're still here i'll kill you yeah that's not a joke get out of here get i can't leave this place i will be working hard labor jobs until the day i die smoking and drinking yeah and he wants will to leave because he has a gift that people just do not get yeah will will says that he's not gonna go work um, in any sort of like big wig job Sitting where he can, yeah, where he can use his intellect. And then Will and Chucky are having this dialogue and Will says, what are you going to tell me? Like, uh, I have to do it for myself. And Chucky says, no, you don't have to do it for yourself. You got to do it for me. Yeah. You're sitting on a winning lottery ticket, yeah, and you're too much of a chicken to cash it in. I think that's what's. I great. don't know if he says chicken. I don't remember. Yeah, he probably says a curse word. <laughs> um, I don't. I think this is a great example of fathers too, because as fathers, I mean, or as as sons, we know growing up in a household, our dads kept so much quiet, where we're like, yeah, that was great, and then maybe as we get older, and we have those conversations with our fathers about being um, potential husbands and fathers they start to reveal some of those things. That was a really hard time for me. Or this is what I actually wanted for you. Or I was scared to see you go do this, but I knew you needed to go do it. And Chucky's that guy for for Will because Will doesn't have a father because he's an orphan. Mm-hmm. And so he plays that and he hides that from him because he wants him to go do something different. And only until the end of the movie when he starts to reveal those things and they start to talk about what they're doing for the rest of their lives does he say, get out of here. Yeah, you need Leave. to get out of South Boston. Yeah. You're a genius. I'm here, I'm stuck, and that's okay. I'm okay with it. But I'm not okay that you're okay with being here. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. And, yeah, you find that out, that he really is unhappy uh, as well. He's got deep sorrow for being probably someone who feels like he doesn't have a whole lot of skills besides being able to slang manual labor and be funny. Yeah. Um, And occasionally pick up chicks that... (laughs) aren't at harvard bars (laughs) some really funny dialogue about that that we won't get into all right we have lambeau played by stellan skarsgård i think you should give him the proper title though keep calling him lambeau we have professor lambeau who has won the fields uh mathematic award which is like the nobel prize for for math except for they only give it out every four years Mm -hmm. so apparently professor probably dr lambeau is the smartest guy at MIT, and um, he's the one who seeks and finds Will. And at the same time, he's dealing with an intense amount of sorrow. Yeah. Um, we see that he tries to hide his unhappiness with trying to achieve fame in academia. Mm-hmm. Um, he's this really smart mathematician. He 
he boasts about how good he is at math and how how he's written so many proofs and he's solved so many equations um and then kind of in the creepy side of things he also wants to impress young students yeah outside of one of will's uh therapy sessions He's awkwardly laying on a couch with his like leg up, having a conversation with a young uh, college girl. Yeah, and I think she just says, "Wow, that's impressive," or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. I think that uh, the directors, um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, here were trying to prove a point that um, even though he was accomplished in other things, he's still trying to fight some sort of deep sorrow that he has. Yeah, I think what I would say, I haven't studied this a ton, but I think this is what they would call imposter syndrome. Mm. Or I don't know if syndrome is the right word, but he, from what I saw, what I viewed, he clearly views himself as an imposter. Because he tells Matt Damon, he tells Will, I can't do this. Like, you are, you are doing things that I could never do. And I think he just feels like a fraud throughout the movie. And so he, he doesn't think he's that good at math. And he's searching fulfillment because everything he's achieved has only led him to trying to impress college students. Like, how shallow is that? Yeah. Wow, that's really good. He he f- feels like a fraud because um, he meets Will, who is so much smarter than him. Yeah. So his whole life, he's kind of probably believed that he was great. He even said to Sean that, like, he was smart, that Sean was smarter than him. Yeah. And then he just decided to take a different route. Mm. So I think he's he knows he's an imposter, or, or he feels he's an imposter. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great observation because at least for the first three um, characters that we've looked at here, uh, all three of them are putting on masks of some sort. Yeah. They're all being frauds in some sort of way, not letting people in to see what's really going on in their hearts. Yeah. Um, and real change happens when you open your heart. Yeah. Um, one, to God. Like, that's the utmost. And then two... The way that community works is that uh, you open your heart up to others. And let's talk about Sean, but I do want to say that all four of these people, they're longing for community. Mm-hmm. They all need a group of people that they can open their hearts to. Yeah, there's loneliness, and we'll see that a little bit. As I'm going to talk about that a little bit um, in, in my Jimmy V moments. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. They're all searching for community. They're all clearly lonely. Yeah. So we have Sean, played by Robin Williams. Now, what's the best Robin Williams movie? Oh my goodness. Patch Adams? <laughs> Jack? Oh, I love Jack. Jumanji? Jumanji? Like, I think that's one of those things as kids, we thought it was amazing. And I still think it's amazing, but the ratings on it are not very good. On Jumanji? I don't get it. Did, uh, did adults, like when it came out, did adults not get lost in the adventure of a board game that sucked you into another universe? All I know about Jumanji is that that kid grew a tail. And I was super creeped out. Yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire. Ooh. Good morning, Vietnam. Oh, man. All right. If Robin Williams played a Boston man in Good Morning, Vietnam, I think he's going to go with Good morning, Vietnam. (laughs) (laughs) Good morning, Vietnam. Vietnam. It's really hard. How do you say good morning? I don't think anybody ever shouts good morning in Boston. No. It's more just, ah, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I don't think it's even good morning. Got your cup of coffee? Bad morning. (laughs) Don't come talk to me this morning. Morning. You see the the sun's coming out 16 days from now? (laughs) It's been snowing for 43 straight days. I love it. Uh, Okay, his best movie, RV. (laughs) I actually, I'm ashamed to say I've seen that. Oh, RV is bad. Flubber? Flubber. 
Oh, that's a childhood one. Right I there. just loved Robin Williams. Sadly, Robin Williams uh, yeah. is not with us anymore. Harriest Arms is alive? Huh? Harriest Arms of all time from, from oh. a popular actor? Dude, Robin Williams has more hair than like a bear. Yeah. For sure. Alright, so we have Sean. I think that he hides his unhappiness uh, with self-loathing and taking a different route than his like... So Sean and Lambeau were um, classmates. Yeah, they're classmates, yeah. Really good friends, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And they were both geniuses. Um, and Sean decided to take the path of working at a community college, actually. Yeah. And being kind of like a, a low-level psychiatrist. And um, he's got his own pain. His wife dies. Um, and he uh, he's just hiding it from other people that... He really is living in some masked sorrow. Yeah. Um, what What do you have on Sean? Sean? I, I, I just thought that this is a guy who set up his entire life to be a, a loving husband. And now that his wife is gone, and that was the one person he set his life towards, he's trying to figure out what to do. And he has told himself, I will never love someone else again because I'm married to my wife. I don't care if she's dead. Hmm. I just thought he was a living example of the book of Ecclesiastes. Wow. That's what I thought of. That's one of the more more depressing books you'll ever read, but it is full of truth and wisdom for living as a young person, living in the middle, and then living towards the end of your life, what that's going to look like, what that's going to feel like. And Sean hits a lot of those themes that are in Ecclesiastes. Hmm. Yeah, I think he doesn't live with regret either. Um, He's got a... He's got the best idea of what it means to love and to lose. Yes. Um, over everyone in the whole movie. And um, I think his gospel theme is that he can actually relate to Will. So Sean is the psychiatrist that actually makes a real bond with Will. Um, he's the psychiatrist that allows him and he allows Will to actually make real progress. And he comforts Will because he has been comforted. Mm-hmm. Um and that's, that's what Jesus says. When The reason that you go through hardships is so that when you are comforted by God, you can comfort others who are feeling um, like they're brokenhearted, um, they're, they have a low spirit, or they've gone through something difficult too. You can comfort them with the comfort that God has given them. And I see that in Sean. And so the, to tie all four of these characters together, they're all hiding their unhappiness by either being smart, funny, uh, having achievement in academia, self-loathing, self-loathing. Um, I just have two passages here that would talk about what it means to open up your heart to God. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. When you actually open your heart up to who God is, he comes in and he mends it. And then the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. If you take refuge in God, who is the rock, um, you are going to be free to live a life that is full and um, joyful because you're not taking refuge in yourself. All right, our second category, our big daddy moment, the moment that you had to pee. Al, do you have any? I couldn't hold it in. Couldn't hold it in? So I had to go pee. At what point? When Matt Damon, a.k.a. Will, is just staring into nothing. And it almost is like you're looking at it through a kaleidoscope. 
He's just sitting in, the, in, a, in uh, the very beginning of the movie. I think there's like three different times where he's staring into nothing. Oh, I don't remember that. I thought they were just trying to build like his uh, confusion and trying to wrap his mind around. I'm sure they life. were. I still didn't like it. Okay, mine is when Chucky goes to the meeting for Will and asks for a retainer. <laughs> what? That's your time to pee? <laughs> it doesn't really relate to anything else That's in the movie. That's the funniest part in the whole movie. No, movie. it's not the funniest part in the movie. But it's it's good. It's not bad. But they bring it up later when Lambo, Professor Lambo, starts to say, don't go, don't send other people to these meetings. And he says, they don't schedule them. He's like, all right, I'll cancel them then. And so I don't, I don't really think it's that important. If you had to pick one moment to be, I think that's it. Because the movie's not about Chucky. The movie's about Will. Yeah, but Chucky wears and that some scene, nice Sperry's. That scene, he does. He wears white so- white tube socks and Sperry's with a suit. <laughs> <laughs> Retainer. By the Heart Podcast, brought to you by Alex's Painting. Where we'll paint your interior, your exterior, your trim, your doors, whatever you need. Your fence? Yeah, your fence. Will you paint my car? Maybe. Intentionally? No. (laughs) You have to pay me, though. (laughs) All right. Category three, our gospel-themed quotes. There's a moment where Sean and Will, at the end of the movie, have finally made a breakthrough. Sean shows him his... Sean shows Will his own file and realizes that he's been beat uh, growing up in these group homes. And he looks at him and he says, it's not your fault. And then Will starts to cry. And then he says, it's not your fault. And then Will gets mad and starts to like punch him, I think. And then he said, it's not your fault. And then Will balls crying and hugs him. And it's this breakthrough moment where Will finally gives into the fact that it's not his fault that he was sinned against. And I just want to say that we are sinners, yes, but we live in a world of sin. So as sinners who fall, we are also sinners who are often being sinned against. And being sinned against is never your fault. It's never your fault if someone uh, sins against you. And there is restitution, and there is healing, and there is forgiveness that you can find in Christ. Sean, what's your quote? Early in the movie, there's a scene where Will and Sean meet, I think, for the second time. Yeah, it's the second time, because the first time they meet in his office, and the second time they meet out at a bench. And to this point, Will's kept his guard up through his arrogance, through knowing, trying to pick apart Sean's reading. And finally, Sean breaks through. He finally breaks through with a really lengthy quote uh, that brings to light, Will has never actually experienced the things he often talks about. He's only ever read about them. And Sean brings up the what the Sistine Chapel smells like. He says, you may have read about it, but do you know what it smells like and to look up at the ceiling? Um, do you know what it's like? I'm sure you can tell me about a woman, but do you know what it feels like to be in love? And and do you know how to hold a friend's head as he passes? And he's, he's talking about war. And finally, he talks about loving his wife with a quote that it makes you want to go fall in love. It, <laughs> it's Or depending on where you're at, maybe not fall in love. But it's an unbelievable quote. And then he wraps it all up by saying, I can't know your life by reading Oliver Twist, a book about an orphan. Hmm. I can't know about your life. And I think that from from my perspective, I think as Christians, when we're trying to be there for somebody, when we're trying to disciple somebody or just be an ear for somebody, we often are trying to give our opinion and we're trying to give, here's this, take this, read this, know this. You have to do it because this is where you'll be satisfied. Yes, it's true. But ultimately... We can't like just by reading a book know everything know everything know about everything that someone's going through. Yeah. 
we can't know that just by reading a book. So I think what examples I think of of Christ is that um, Jesus was just there for people. Mm-hmm. He wasn't always just pointing a finger or shouting at them to do something or badgering them to read something. He was just there for people. And that's part of it. Now there's also, there's more dynamics to Jesus than just that. But I think God has created us with so much depth and individuality and so much uniqueness that um, to really know someone, we can't just read a book on psychology and say, yep, I know all the answers. Here they are. No, man, like love Christ and love people ferociously. Yeah, that's so good. If I've learned anything as a pastor, it's that you can't pastor your people until you actually sit down and have real intentional conversation with them. You could go to seminary. You could read every book on caring for the souls of your people. And then if you don't actually care for their souls, it means nothing. Yeah. I think that was one of the mistakes I made early as a youth ministry student, um, as uh, just a prayer leader, as a leader wherever I was. I think that was one of the mistakes I made early was the person who wasn't receptive to it. I was trying to badger them to understand and I didn't understand and I, why they weren't receptive. And I really, they just needed loved. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. All right, our fourth category, the Jimmy V moments, the moments that made you laugh, moments that made you think, moments that made you cry. All right, I'm going to do my Jimmy V impersonation as a Boston guy. Ooh. Every day. <laughs> wait, is that an Italian? <laughs> Same thing. Hey, uh, wait, I got to go. My boy is wicked smart. Every day. You gotta laugh, you gotta think, you gotta cry, and you gotta eat some codfish. And if you do that, that's a perfect day, and you gotta be really mad at, like, every person you see. Worse? Better? <laughs> I don't know, somewhere in between. Someone write in, let us know how bad our Jimmy V impersonations are. <laughs> Let's hear yours. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, send us yours. Alright, moment made you laugh. Mine is, okay. It's Chucky saying, retainer, when he's trying to uh, go to that thing apparently you can pee during. It's not a bad scene. That's not what I'm saying. All right. My other one is the the very first psychologist that Will sees. The psychologist says, no more shenanigans, no more tomfoolery, no more ballyhoo. And I was just so funny that for some reason there is uh, three different words for uh, acting a fool. Shenanigans, tomfoolery, ballyhoo. Ballyhoo. I wonder where that originates from. I don't know, but I think ballyhoo is definitely the worst. Ballyhoo. No, I think it's the best. Oh. No more ballyhoo, Alex. We gotta get to this podcast. No, I mean the worst. Like if you're if you are doing oh, ballyhoo, oh, oh, oh. you're in deep trouble. That's the worst. Yeah, yep. that's like when your mom says your full name. Yeah. Yeah. That's ballyhoo. No more ballyhoo. No more ballyhoo. There's so many more things that I laughed at, yeah. but okay. what, what's yours? Uh, when Casey Affleck says, my boy's wicked smart. <laughs> my boy's wicked smart. <laughs> That's such a good line, and he says it in such a Boston accent. But that moment when Robin Williams and Matt Damon are talking about the, the game where Pudge hit the home run, the game-winning home run, and he had to wait outside to get tickets, and, and Matt's like, or Will, it says, you were at that game? You had tickets to that game? And then he talks about it, and there he's like, and he rounds second, and he's running around the office through the chairs, and they're celebrating. And then he's like, "What was it like?" And he's like, "Oh, I don't know. I was at a bar with my future wife." And he was <laughs> like, "You didn't go to that game? No, I had to go see about a girl." <laughs> he doesn't say exactly that. It's all paraphrased, but that scene is so funny. Gotta go see about a girl. Um, all right, what about your think? My think is when Sean and Professor Lambo are arguing about what. Each of them thinks is the best for Will. Hmm. 
when they're arguing, it just made me think about like, what is our purpose? Because each of them think there's a different purpose for Will. Like Will's purpose for life is going to be different. Professor Lambeau thinks this is a once in a lifetime brain. This is a once in a lifetime person who can understand things at a level that no one else can. We have to get him into opportunities that will help him because he can do so much more than I can. Because what I've achieved should be, and what my passions are, should be Will's passions. And uh, Sean sees, this is a kid who is broken. And he might not want that. He might need and want something else. Because mm-hmm. he sees it from a different perspective. As a, a fellow genius that went to MIT, who is now a counselor, he sees something different. So that's just what I recognized was just because you're good at something doesn't mean it's the passion of your heart. It yeah. doesn't mean that's what God has for you either. That's good. Uh, mine is that everyone's hiding their deep emotional sorrow. And I just think that's, I think that's really true. I'm learning that uh, in the last year. I'm meeting more and more people that when you get to know them, they are living and controlled by sorrow. Yeah. Christians are not living by joy. Yeah. And that is a, such a sad place to be. Yeah. Um, I'm praying for lots of people in that area. And I'm hopeful and trust that Jesus is the one that brings joy to our hearts and our souls. So many times we fill our souls with something else. Christians will fill their soul with uh, other things to satisfy. And it doesn't work. It leads us to sorrow. And that's why Christians are just as sad as anyone else, because um, we believe that Christ saves us, but somehow we don't believe that Christ sustains us. Yeah, we don't want to see Christ transform us. Or honestly, I think uh, we've had a tough time as American, American Christianity has had a tough time allowing Christ to transform us. Yeah, for sure. And then our cry, uh, mine is that uh, just the hug during it's Mm. not your fault. And finally giving into his childhood pain. Yeah. Sean? Uh, Ron Williams is sitting at home drinking liquor, doing absolutely nothing, looking at his pile of dishes. <laughs> just piled up. And that's, when I saw that, like that trick, I looked at him and I was like, that's trauma. Mm-hmm. That is trauma right there. Someone who's gone through a traumatic experience and is now just at the depths of depression. And they can't figure out what to do because it doesn't matter anymore. Robin Williams' purpose was to be a loving husband to the woman he married. And now his purpose is, he doesn't know what his purpose is. And he doesn't care because mm-hmm. he can't heal from it. So that was, for me, that was the moment of cry. All right. Our last category, by the heart. Um, the moments that really captivated us. For me, I just said that um, you can you can tell that these four friends would do anything for each other. Yeah. Uh, they're all looking and longing for real loyalty. And they got in a fight for each other. And they'll do anything. Yeah. Sean? Um, I think just from the very beginning, you want to know why Will, who's brilliant, why why won't he leave this like gutter that he lives in? Why won't he leave this lifestyle that is depressing and dark when he's a genius and he could have fortune or just a life of achievement? And you want to know from the very beginning, oh my gosh, this guy's a janitor? What he's happened? a genius. What happened? Why, we're going to dig to the depths of it. I want to know why. I want to know more. And how? what's going to happen? Hmm. That's really good. You guys should watch it. Thanks for joining us on episode 10 of By the Heart. This is our first milestone. Remember that the purpose of this podcast is to make much of Jesus and to see that Jesus is in the arts, even in movies that have probably 100 F words. Um, Don't watch it with your kids, but watch it 
and recognize the ways that your hearts are hiding from real liberation. The last thing I want to say is Maki, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian. Catch us the next time that we meet and talk about By the Hot. Uh, we're going to talk about our favorite movies, Grudge Match. And what else, Sean? Terminator Salvation. That's right. See you later. How about them apples? How about them apples? <laughs>